I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hi, Kieran. Hi, Eve. How are you? I'm doing all right. It snowed this weekend and it's sticking to the ground. And I went outside and I didn't die. And then I've been inside ever since and not gone outside. But I watched out my window. Someone brought their dog outside and their dog lost its mind. It was running in circles like all over the the courtyard. Just like, what the fuck is the snow? I don't understand. For for those of you who may not remember why this is significant, Kieran moved from California. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not... I'm not used to this weather. Snow is I still a novelty. All of my all of my sewn like crocheted hats and scarves are for California winter. Mm. So I need to get more yarn and do tighter stitches so they can survive an actual snowing winter because apparently mm. that's a thing. Yeah, welcome to actual cold. Yeah. What about you? How are you? I am What's been up? I am one day away from having my kitchen and my office back to normal. So I'm like just sitting here like fidgeting while I'm <laughs> like, you know, get through Sunday and then Monday they come back and they fix, fix all the things. And then hopefully, you know, like they've been lovely, but maybe we'll never see them again. And that'll be great. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I'm hosting Thanksgiving. So I'm just like planning out a billion gluten-free pies and stuff. But we have two things we want to talk about today, and for those of you who may want to skip to the meaty stuff, we'll put a, a timestamp in the show notes so you, you know where to jump to. If you don't want to talk about the end of Twitter, which I want to talk about, yeah, but we're also going to talk about, God forbid, the movie on Hulu, the documentary about the Falwell Jr. sex scandal. Mm-hmm. As a palate cleanser. At first, first. <laughs> yeah, Twitter. What is happening? Okay, I have to say something here. I yeah. just like, I have followed you from internet platform to internet platform, like from Blogspot to WordPress. Yeah. I followed you when you made that transition from, you know, from Zanga to Blogspot, from Blogspot <laughs> to WordPress, <laughs> you know, all the, the layers. And you were an early adopter of Twitter, which is why I ended up on Twitter. And you were an early adopter of Tumblr, which is why I ended up on Tumblr. But I got to say, I think you might be wrong for the first time ever. I don't think Mastodon is going to make it as the next big thing. Oh, I I don't know that it's going to be the next big thing, but like that's the point. I don't think it can replace Twitter at all. And it just like, it just feels like somebody, there was a tweet going around where it was like, Mastodon is like the lights on office party where everybody is like reminiscing about Christmas parties at Studio 54. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, that's how that feels. It's just not, it's just not, it's not it. It's not doing it for me. Yeah. No, like it's not, Mastodon is its own separate. Like it's, it's the easiest, like, kind of way to explain it is it's like Twitter, but not, but it's really its own beast it's not meant to be like twitter in the way that twitter is like this whole giant screaming void of people it's like you can choose your screaming void of people yeah i think i think it's 
better to think about Mastodon as like Discord servers gone more large and more open than it is yes. to think about Twitter, Mastodon as a, a Twitter replacement because it's like. Yeah, it's like Discord if you had likes. Yeah. And, instead of emojis. Right, and right, like, right. More microblogging than chatting. Yeah. That said, didn't I don't need to like I'm not trying to like bash Mastodon. I just like don't think it's where I'm going next. God. I've been on Twitter since 2009. Which means you have too. I've you been on Twitter on since 2006 actually. Oh my god. Like December 2006, like like a right couple when it first started after it started, yeah. And I was probably on for a little bit in 2008 and like lost my profile and like restarted it back when I was like those who may not know, like back in my early teen blogging years, my dad made me use uh, pseudonyms. So like Kieran had their their mask <laughs> persona yeah. that they were blogging under for like safety reasons because they said they had to my mine was just a like a femme pseudonym so i was jackie spelled the french way and i probably had a twitter under under that moniker for a little bit but um god (sighs) (laughs) it's it's been such a huge part of like my life and your life and like the lives of so many people, especially the last like four years. Yeah. Even, even more like since 2020 when that was like what people had. My relationship with Twitter like went through phases of like, it was a lifeline for learning about the world. You know, you could listen, you could eavesdrop on in group discourse and learn stuff. Mm-hmm. Without having to like, you know, go know what you were looking for and go hunting it down. Like, I think one of the things that's hardest about leaving the fundy world is just like, you don't know what you don't know. And this is a way to like, learn what you didn't know without having to like, ask anyone. And that was really, yeah. and then there was a period where it was just like, kind of like transitioning out of the evangelical space into like actual normie writer space and just like feeling frustrated with it and not wanting to be there because I just like was so bored (laughs) (laughs) regurgitating church shit over and over and over Babylon B jokes and all that nonsense. Uh And then like, just like coming into it, like for a second adolescence, if you will, just like, you know, figuring out who I was as a writer and like being able to connect with my people there and like having that community during the pandemic, which is so, so important. Yeah. Yeah. Like Twitter is where I learned how to make normal friends, actually. Like I was, I've been there for like since the beginning. And at first it was really quiet and boring. It was like me and like our homeschool friends, like (laughs) talking about homeschool stuff and whatever. And then slowly doing more talking about homeschooling publicly and like finding a bunch of other alumni and starting like finding that like homeschool alumni community on Twitter and then finding like I was a big part of the geek and sundry community when that was the thing and like we had team Twitter and it was great and it was wholesome and beautiful and fun and I made so many friends there and I learned like 
normal people stuff mm-hmm. and how to like not be a homeschooler and yeah and just like being able to learn from people by watching conversations and like that was how I learned about like systemic racism and what that mm-hmm. meant and what that looked like and like how like hard things actually are and how I learned about like privilege and how like intersectionality yeah, we, like yeah, all, we went from all of those conversations baby black and white fundy feminists to like okay interse- intersectionality and queer theory are real <laughs> yeah and all of that I learned from people on Twitter mm-hmm. and like you know I wouldn't I wouldn't have survived like I like my Patreon is like grew on Twitter like all of the things that I do where people have learned stuff from me or where I've gotten support have mm-hmm. happened on Twitter. Yeah. I, people on Twitter have been super generous to me. I have gotten through some of the leanest periods of my life through the generosity of people on Twitter. I have met lovers on Twitter. I had the best sex of my life with someone I met on Twitter. Like just, you know, yeah. just shit like that. It's like, um, and yes, I will leave you wondering. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, God, there's so many, there's so many things that just kind of grew out of it. Like, I think one of the hard parts of like my college experience was that it was just so limited to, you know, fundy stuff. So mm-hmm. it was, it was, you know, quote unquote, classical education kind of, kind of approach humanities stuff. So like there was a lot of like important things I learned on there or through that, but like it, it really didn't in any holistic way approach, like covering anything after modernity. Right. (laughs) So like anything postmodern, like just like postmodernism on like, did not functionally exist. And so I relearned American history on Twitter and I relearned like literary theory on Twitter. And I learned about like contemporary authors on Twitter, like my ability to be a good literary citizen, citizen. Wow. My ability to be a good literary citizen exists because of my time spent on there. Yeah. It's just, it's just been very formative. It's, I mean, functionally is my hometown. Like, yeah. Yeah. In the most in the most real way, you know, you want to leave your hometown, you can go back and it's not quite the same. <laughs> like right. lives have moved on without you. But like you can always find a place again and it's just gonna be different. But like I don't know. I feel I think that's the, the like the best way I have to describe it. And it's like my hometown is dying. Yeah. Yeah, that's really what it feels like. Like, it's this huge, like, loss. Like, as shitty as Twitter has been and is and, like, you know, it's getting more fucked by the day. But, like, it's still a huge and very important piece of my life. And I would not be who I am and I would not know the people that I know, like, if I hadn't been on Twitter and if Twitter didn't exist and so it's like mm-hmm. I don't like I don't know how and and I kind of like 
laugh at myself about this a little bit because I'm like, well, I'll just like share on my blog and I'll share on Mastodon and I'll share on like whatever. Like I know how to do, how to social network without like across whatever platform mm-hmm. exists. I've been online long enough. I still have a blog domain that I own for the reason of like shit's going to fail eventually. Mm-hmm. So I might as well have something I, I maintain. But at the same time, like it's not I, like I have to rebuild communities i have to find where all my friends have gone like it's Mm -hmm. it's a task and it's like not everybody has the spoons or the executive functioning to like maintain a network like to follow people afterward like to develop Mm -hmm. the like infrastructure to like be able to replicate those networks elsewhere like you and i have done this on multiple different platforms so like we know how to do it now like I did not download my tweet archive because I don't give a fuck and I've had my tweets on auto delete for forever. Um, But I downloaded my follows, Mm -hmm. my account of my like list of who I followed and who followed me so that I could know what usernames to look for elsewhere and like give me like the username and the like the screen, the screen Mm -hmm. names. So like I could find people again and be like, okay, this person like used to talk about this. Where can I find them again? Cause I yeah. want to hear more. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that have like exchanged phone numbers with on Twitter and like we've become offline friends, you know? So like doing that right now is probably really smart. If you haven't already just like slide into people's DMS and be like, Hey, if you want to stay friends after this dies, like here's my phone number, text mm. me, um, save them to your contacts. But like, it also is like, <laughs> I feel I feel like it'll be very productive in different ways. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a for it's a it's a controlled burn of a force. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like <laughs> Musk may may be a dumpster fire that started it, but like I think that we are going to make better art without Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, like I have been, I'm so I I run. I'm I'm one of the admins of a Mastodon instance called Towns.Gay, and if you're queer and you like cities, registration is open. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I've spent most of my time on there, and it's been really fun. And I've been more creative, and I've been doing like more art, and like it it has been like good for my brain to not look at bad news all the time. And I've also been mm-hmm. very intentional about what I'm talking about, how I'm talking about it and who I'm, who I'm following. So like curate kind of my feed. Cause I realized earlier this year that like seeing every single piece of bad news all the time on Twitter, just like was overwhelming and made me depressed. And like, I couldn't, handle all of it so <laughs> like yeah, maybe not, i do not, this not, in... not having it to dissociate is really good. <laughs> really nice yeah like i can choose now because not everyone is there i have enough friends across the fediverse that i can like follow who are talking about their life stuff and i'm not getting drowned and like the new york times said this transphobic thing today and you don't have to like have a quick take or like be funny or like be like always on and responsive to things mm-hmm. 
like, and once you're out of that mindset of like knee jerk, you know, commentary, your ability to like your, your long form stamina, creative ability increases. So yeah. that's the kind of stuff I'm excited about. I'm just like, yeah, cool. I'm going to just like work on the book. It's fine. I've been doing that. I've started. So I've been doing NaNoWriMo sort of ish. Mm-hmm. I'm like not holding myself to a word count. I'm just like, if I write every day, that's, that's, that's my enough. goal. Yeah. And I've been doing pretty good. I've written almost every day except weekends. Cause weekends I do like house shit. <laughs> Excuse me. And I've had that energy because I haven't been just sort of, doom scrolling all the time mm-hmm. so i've been able to start working on my memoir and like bits and pieces that's in great completely incoherent fashion but my therapist is super excited <laughs> good that's great that's that's the kind of stuff that i hope we'll see a lot more of yeah um, once people get off i i feel like like the writing world is like playing chicken with each other for like, who's going to write the, the definitive Twitter eulogy. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not like necessarily going to try to do that, but I, I think that like once we get that out of our system as a like collective community and just like write our own shit again, mm-hmm. I think it'll be really, I don't know. I just, I think it'll be really generative. Yeah, I think so too. Like I'm as much as I'm grieving, like, losing everything that I've like built on Twitter and like all of all of the opportunities that like Mm -hmm. I've found and made and whatever on Twitter I'm also excited to see like what happens next like Mm -hmm. the reason I'm excited about Mastodon isn't necessarily Mastodon specifically but like people are working on building other platforms that do the same kind of connection as Twitter or get very close to it, but without like all of the advertising and the, Mm -hmm. you know, like less than mediocre egomaniac running the show. (laughs) Or at least if, if someone is running the show, it's open source so you can make your own Mm. and not deal with them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like there's more power to individual users and their friends sort of, using the open source format, which is, if you want to get nitty about it, it's called Activity Pub. You can Google it and learn about how all of that works if you want to, or DM me. <laughs> I need to take back what I said earlier about Mastodon being a Discord server, like universe. It's actually a Facebook groups universe. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Anyway. I'm sad. Yeah. I'm I'm like relieved to be out of there, but like also like, oh, I feel like I like I'm watching the Titanic sink in slow motion from a lifeboat. Like I still have my account active. I'm not going to deactivate it until like it absolutely has to be deactivated. And like I log into Twitter and I get a 503 error and it's like, sorry, this server doesn't exist. And I'll be like, okay. (laughs) but I'm like not as engaged there. I'm just Mm -hmm. watching. I like, I just, it's like if it's a train wreck, I just have to watch it. I have to see it go down. I have to, I have to watch 15 years of my life go up into flames because some dude can't go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Look, when you have that much 
genocide in your your bloodline. I feel like this kind of behavior is inevitable. But yeah. that's another story. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, if anybody like hasn't already Googled Elon Musk's dad, you should Google you should do Elon that. Yeah. Musk's dad. Like, just it, we'll explain a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um. Speaking of daddy issues. <laughs> Is that a good transition? Right. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great transition. That's a perfect, perfect transition. Jerry Falwell Jr. has them. Lots of them, as it turns Lots out. Surprising nobody, honestly. Like, so I watched the documentary the other day, and it was interesting. But it was also like the first part was just really dull because it was like I know all this. Yeah. Like I, I, I know that you know, their hypocrisy in dual life, like, is the thing. Cause like, that's how you survive that world. <laughs> this yeah. Okay. So for, for those who don't know about it or haven't heard of it, this is called God forbid is a documentary film on Hulu. It's like, you know, 90 minutes. They reenact text conversations. They reenact recalled conversations with mm-hmm. you know like similar looking actors so you get like you only you see know. like their nose in their mouth yeah you, you get some like you know and what moments what makes me funny. giggle is that like when they do the still shots and when they do the reenactment bits like the frame is vignetted mm-hmm. by like wavy pool water in mm-hmm, every mm-hmm. shot like just in case we didn't know that this kid was a cool filter. boy one time like <laughs> i feel bad for giancarlo in in that he's going to be like i don't feel bad for him in, in a lot of this story but i do feel bad for him in that like he he does not need to be remembered as the pool boy because yeah that's, exactly. he's a lot more than that but um yeah i think there's so like I'm trying to think about who the like target audience for this might have been because it's like it acts like you know we don't know like what actually happened it acts like we don't know who the Falwells really are it acts like this is like shocking news and shocking behavior and yeah because we didn't all figure that out in 2018 long before if if you didn't grow up with the like, you know, every year some like major Christian celebrity would be like losing his career for having sex with the secretary or hooking up with guys in bathrooms, like more than any or you know, like like the first the first church I like remember participating in like that I was like that I have like memory of besides the early ones that we like moved around in and I was like too young to remember that but the first church I like have like decent solid coherent memories of like that pastor like we left the church because he got caught with child born like mm-hmm. I mean that's not why we left the church but he got caught with child born right after we left the church yeah Keep that right. but like so this has just been like this kind of like sexual acting out of people in these repressed environments. Like everybody acts like it's inevitable. 
and Kieran will get into why, because I think that's your, your big point that you want to talk about, but you know, it's, it's also not, um, it's just humans are humans are humans are humans. Like, yeah, it's not that surprising (laughs) and it's not that like interesting. It's really not like, it's the most boring thing, honestly. And like, this is, so the thing that the documentary like shows really well. And the thing that I remember everyone talking about when this came out in 2018 was just like the the sheer, the news story. Yeah. When it, when it had just come out that the Falwells like had this relationship going for seven years, that was quite scandalous. And there was a whole bunch of like, we didn't know exactly what was happening mm-hmm. there and, and who was fucking who and like, what, mm-hmm. how did that work? And everyone is like, but that's so hypocritical because like these people are like pastors and they run this like really conservative Christian college. And I'm like, mm, yes, it is hypocritical, but like, it's not surprising because when you grow up in a high control environment where your every move is watched you're like a fucking goldfish for your entire life and everyone is watching every single thing that you do and you run into your little like tiny little treasure chest house for like 10 seconds of peace and that's when no one is watching and that's when like all of the shit that has been repressed that you have been like trying to like not let people see that's when you can like have that and uh, that turns into things that like don't align with your front facing persona. And that is so normal in this world. Like everybody deals with this. I think there's, there's something, there's something here that is like, there have literally been popes that were like sentenced to various punishments. And the history books were like, and he like raped animals and like raped children and like stole money and like, you know, embezzled and like all yeah. these things. And it's like, and we're not including the actual bad shit he did. This is just the stuff that we feel like is fit to print. And it's like, like, look it up. This is a real thing. Like, this is like yeah. one particular Pope and one particular story. But like, uh, at the height of the, you know, early de' Medici family reign and. Florence like that was one thing that was happening and it's like this is not new and I think what's Mm -hmm. I think what doesn't work in this thing in this movie is just the the disconnect of you know humans have behaved this way for forever and if you make morality such an intense life or death thing then you have behavior that's like secretive like this and you have people acting surprised by humans being Mm -hmm. flawed. I'm not saying that this was like not abusive. It was, but like we'll call it flawed for, for the purposes of this illustration. (laughs) 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 And it's like, I think, I think one of the things that maybe the Catholics had going for them that we (laughs) fucked up in the Protestant reformation is just, we have this illusion that we can work toward perfection. 
in the church now mm-hmm. and like that you can achieve this like high level of morality and like the Catholics were like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to like buy some penances. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it was, it was like, yeah, you'd be disappointed, but you, there wouldn't have be the, like the salacious shock value. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I maybe I'm misrepre- misrepresenting the history. The historians are free to weigh in on this and just like, correct me. But like, that's kind of how this feels to me is just like, this is surprising but not for the reasons that this documentary is making it out. To yes. Surprise. Yes. It's sad. Like, it's just, it's actually very sad. Yeah. Like one of my like most vivid team packed memories is like Tim Eccles was talking about how bad it is to be queer and how like, Lots of people have secret lives and I'm pretty sure all of us thought he was talking about masturbation and he asked the room, like, how many of you have like a secret life that like you don't tell your parents about, like you don't (laughs) talk about whatever. And like most of our hands went up again. I think we were all thinking masturbation because we were all a bunch of fucking teenagers who weren't allowed to masturbate. And so like, obviously, yeah, suddenly you have a sex drive and you didn't before and like, you know and like and he was like brain. upset with us because we're not supposed to have these like secret lives but like if being a normal teenager were fine and mm-hmm. accepted like we wouldn't have thought of like normal teenage shit being like something that had to be secret something that we had had to be ashamed of something that like counted as like a duality. Yeah. Things that were, ag- would actually be dangerous or, you know, compromising would be what you would think of as a secret life. Not you like <laughs> these garden variety, right. normal. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so we're horny and <laughs> whoops. <laughs> yeah. Maybe someone watched porn one time and now Talking they're like in the middle of your math lesson you know, and you're homeschooled and your mom's yeah. downstairs, like whatever. Yeah, but like it's such a it's such a normally understood thing even in really mm-hmm. conservative Christianity as like I, I I still don't understand why people are like surprised at this at this point. <laughs> okay, so here's what I find sad about this this story and I think the documentary kind of hints at it, but probably could have done more with it. You have this dynamic of Becky and Jerry start dating when she's 13 and he's 18. Yeah. And, you know, at different ages, a five-year difference is nothing. But, like, at those ages, it's a big deal. And, like, yeah, I would like to have some words with the parents involved in this situation. But, um, but all that aside, like, it is sad. Like, the the compulsory monogamy get married, you know, soon. Like, I don't know, even know that they, cause they, they got engaged after he finished law school. So they were dating for a mm-hmm. long time. I don't even know that they like were practicing abstinence before then. Like it didn't talk about that as like a value that they practiced, but like, obviously it would be against the Liberty way, but um, right. Cause <laughs> that matters. But just like, <laughs> 
But the fact of like, yeah, like you, you're one, you're one true life partner forever. Like to have no, no exploration at that, from that young of an age on is mm-hmm. really sad. And, and it really, you do feel like you miss out by the time you get to your thirties and you're like, Oh shit. Like people know what they like because they've tried stuff. And yeah. I think I know what I like, but I've only tried one thing. You know, you've been eating mac and cheese since you were 13. What if you right. wanted a hamburger, but you only have mac and cheese in the house because you you decided that was going to be your one true love? So I, on one hand, I'm just like, oh, man, they like, yeah, of course they were swinging. Right. <laughs> and like, it could have been a very like normal, consensual, like, adults thing and i feel like yeah these people like go get it like go find you know some third to like play with like whatever yeah but then but then they replicate these cycles where like giancarlo's 20 he's mm-hmm. a baby mm-hmm. and they're taking advantage of that all over the place and it becomes predatory and really just sad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the way that like they show it in the movie is just like how quickly and intensely it escalated. Like they fucked like one time and then like a couple weeks later we're like, Hey, come hang out. And then, Hey, go in on this like property. And it hadn't even well, been a year. And it's like telling him she loved him three weeks in like, yeah, that it's like love bombing. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say, literally love bombing. Like, that is classic high control cult-like behavior of, like, we're just going to make you feel loved and make you, like, depend on us for everything and, like, get you really enmeshed so you can't leave, which it's is ultimately, like... It's feels intense like no other. Run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bad sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... There's a lot, there's a lot going on there. It's just, uh, it's predatory. They like financially, you know, trap him so that they control him. He is in a vulnerable, vulnerable position still. And I'm like, why? Like, I think he's still financially entangled with them from what I can tell. Like the, where the documentary leaves off is like, he's still trying to get out of like this shared ownership of this property in Miami with them. And like, Mm -hmm. Oh, poor guy <laughs> like yeah you just you just like went on national television and like bombed these people with like sharing all of the explicit texts in this video and like all this stuff like it was in the news but now it's in the news like in a different way and, yeah like, it's documented in this like really intense visceral you know they've got actors reenacting scenes and stuff like it's very intense and just and, like i'm like oh buddy like if you thought that this was going to get you out, yeah, no. under their thumb, I don't know that that's going to do it. Yeah, yeah, that was like kind of also like the question that they left is like so like how is where is he now like what what is the plan from here like they I did appreciate that they like tied in the Falwell's connection to. Uh, you know, Trump and Cohen and how Liberty bust like 80 buses to the insurrection. <laughs> like that 
that was actually really important information that I wish they spent more time on because that yeah. is not commonly known. Yeah, the, the the historical elements of this documentary were great. Yeah, like they talked about the moral majority without Phyllis Schlafly, which like, mm. <laughs> Seems like you're missing something here, but like, okay. Yeah. But then they also yeah. like drew the connection from like desegregation to the rise of Christian private schools and like, called them segregation academies like in the like this is the most overt like point a to point b like Mm -hmm. delineation i've seen outside of you and me talking yeah i really appreciated that yeah people are not (laughs) willing to go on the line to like say like explicitly like brown v board equals like private christian schools as white Mm -hmm. flight like and they said it they said it outright and that was great to hear and see documented and like you know, nice to have that like affirmed. Yeah. And I really appreciated how they pointed out, like the tactics of the right has basically been mm-hmm. like, we'll just throw every marginalized thing we can think of and see what sticks and abortion stuck for a while. And now mm-hmm. queers are sticking again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. like, we can now see that this is a pattern that is occurring. Yeah. And I, and I did appreciate them documenting the like Liberty way and stuff like that. Like I know someone who like, got kicked out of Liberty for self-harming and being caught for self-harming. And like, that's pretty fucked up. And just like the way things get handled, like there is just really toxic and really bad. And it's, you know, they are so wealthy and that area of Mm -hmm. the country is so impoverished. I'm just like, I lived really near there for like back when I was in Roanoke, like that's not very far away. Mm -hmm. And like, it's a very poor part of Virginia and then you drive through Lynchburg, which is called Lynchburg. Like, yeah. it is called Lynchburg for the reason you think it is called Lynchburg. Yeah. And and it's just like. It's so wealthy. There's it's mansions. It's opulent. Like, they have an indoor ski slope on campus. Like, it's <laughs> obscene, like, displays of unnecessary wealth and just like the amount of construction they're doing just like uh i would be matching with people on dating apps who would be closeted employees there like mm-hmm. uh who would drive like an hour to roanoke to like come hang out at the gay club like hopefully that's not putting in anyone in danger to describe it that way i think that's vague enough but like poof man yeah. y'all it was it just it's bad it's bad it's a bad place it's very it has bad vibes like i remember just going by on amtrak and just like Mm-hmm. Like at some point, like the stop or two before some people went on like to get to Liberty and they had like Liberty swag and I was just so uncomfortable. They had all of the vibes and then we went through Lynchburg and I was just like, I felt so gross. I was mm-hmm. happy to get out of Lynchburg, but like from the place before Lynchburg and the place after Lynchburg was just like huge, huge difference mm-hmm. between like poverty and just like what the fuck are you you have more money than god like why it's so sad it's so sad like people who could go to liberty like are not necessarily fucked in the same way that people who go to like i don't know pensacola or bob jones or patrick henry are but but you still like having liberty on your transcript does not do good things or trying to get into grad school or like, no normie jobs 
No. Especially after they embraced Trump. Like, it's just bad. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. If you're, if you're not super familiar with the story, it's not, I don't, wouldn't say it's super triggering. It's, it is fascinating. It is like, you know, you're definitely like getting some like sexy drama and some like solid history. Um, Mm -hmm. So like the quality is fine. I'm just like, this is sad. And like for not the, not the same reasons that they make it out to be sad. And yeah, it feels like, it's just depressing to watch. Yeah, it's like I really appreciated the historical connecting the dots between the Falwells historically and the world majority and the rise mm-hmm. of Trump. And I kind of wish they had spent a little bit more time on that, even though I know that like it was mostly like I felt like a lot of it was like kind of Giancarlo just trying to do something and like control the narrative a bit. And so it felt sort of like like the thing where he got to talk yeah. about the stuff that happened, which like I'm all for. Yeah. Good for like, you. Good dude. for him. <laughs> I feel so. Yeah. I mean, I like, uh, like good. Get your moment in the spotlight. Like you probably didn't get paid for it. Just like, it's sad. It sucks. Yeah. He's in a bad, he's in a really bad position. I hope like he can get extricated from them financially it's nice to see his sister supporting him and like backing him up. Yeah. Um, but like, oof. Oof. Yeah. That's yeah. I just, oof. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was how I felt after, after the end. She's like, okay, I'm gonna go watch the snow or something now. Yeah. Like if it's, <laughs> it's, it's like this season of the crown is just like not super well cast. And so it like feels weird. So I'm just like watching the crown after this as a palate cleanser because it's the watching the like badly cast version of the crown is less depressing. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and Diana is suffering like, Oh boy guys. Yeah. It's um, maybe not my yeah. favorite piece of media I've consumed this year for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Glad I saw it to like see it, but. Yeah. yeah, if you're if you're unfamiliar I was, with the story, it's a mess. If you if you aren't familiar with the story, definitely like worth it. Yeah. 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 Like I feel like the audience is more for people who like have no idea what any of this was that happened because Yeah, if you're they looking were for offline like, in twenty eighteen. Like, fun movie to bond with your like secular aunt to your going to do Thanksgiving with and she has no idea about the world you grew up in and you're like trying to like hang with the normies and like you feel down to discuss like the stuff in this like yeah put this on yeah have, like yeah. have like the like cathartic like oh my god these people are crazy like conversation with like normie family friends etc yes. but if you're watching it to like self-soothe like don't don't <laughs> it's not it's not the movie for that <laughs> it is not what it's for Watch won't feel better Frozen about, instead. Like, <laughs> right. Encanto. <laughs> Frozen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Any Pixar movie. That's mm-hmm, better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that. The other thing I was going to say, this is total pivot um, that I forgot to say earlier. One of the things that I've seen learned on Twitter is that Bruce Springsteen is a bisexual icon, apparently. Oh, 
Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I've like never really like sat down and like listened to him. So like this morning I was like, okay, I'm doing house projects. I'm going to put my earbuds in and like AirPods in and like, you know, listen to some Bruce Springsteen to like uh-huh. figure out like what the deal is. And as soon as I put it on, I'm like, oh, I know why I, I like haven't like sat down and listened to him before. It's because he sounds like Matt Redman. if you don't know who that is so like just another you know christian worship music star lots of lots of praise songs from the early odds (laughs) classic rock vibes and i'm just like Mm -hmm. okay this is this is a problem with me and classic rock is like a lot of the really great artists like are ripping off these classic rock artists. So it's like hard for me yep. to listen to the, the classic rock artists that they like were emulating. It's hard to hear the real song after hearing the like mm-hmm. redone mm-hmm. Christianized mm-hmm. lyrics mm-hmm. made into a praise song version of it. I'm like, this is not the way the song goes. What is happening? <laughs> I mean, it's, not, it's, not like that. it's not like Weird Al parody remake. No, no. Of like one-to-one, but it's just like totally so similar. Like the pace and mm-hmm. similar, the like, you know, just the way it, it builds and like gets to a yeah. bridge. Yeah, that kind of stuff is just like, oh. Anyway, I'm, I was enjoying it. I'm like kind of leaning into it now, but it was just like this moment of like, oh. <laughs> See, I, I feel like I need to listen to more Springsteen because I only know the like ones that I was allowed to listen to that my dad liked, which was like three songs. Well, so there's a there's an <laughs> album of his that's covering a bunch of Pete Seeger Americana songs I think it's called the Seeker Sessions and I was listening to that after like a bunch of other albums and then I was just like this is funny because I don't do you did you have the um like there was the like company that made the states and capitals song tapes and the like the math multiplication table music tape and all that stuff yeah. like yeah and they also had a like American American folk songs tape yes and so we had all of these and like listened to, I don't remember what they were called. If someone knows, like tell me, but like they had an American folk songs tape. And so it was like, you know, 15 miles in the Erie canal. God, John Henry. I'm um, hang on. There's something else. There's one other one that like is the title track. Okay. It's called, we shall overcome the seeker sessions. This is the name of the album. Old Dan Tucker. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. That's the song. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's the first track in the album. And I'm like, <laughs> it's funny that our parents let us listen to these songs. Mm-hmm. John Henry fighting against the, the boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're just like all these like labor rights. Anthems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like our parents are surprised that we turn out to be a socialist. <laughs> like I just took everything you said seriously. I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> Where why why do you not like this? <laughs> you said to share. I'm sharing. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. And <laughs> if Bruce Springsteen tr- doesn't trigger you, I'd love to know why. And if he, he does and you didn't know why, maybe this is it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everyone go listen to Bruce Springsteen. I think that's a good ending note. It's a better use of your time than watching the Fallwell Dog. It is, yes. Do that instead. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Cult podcast. Our music is from the track Janet by the Bend the Heavens on their album Stenazzo. Our producer is Dave the Great. Our podcast is made possible by Patreon donations from listeners like you. To support us and join our community on Slack, check out patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. Thanks for listening. 